Hello, you are listening to the Plumfield Moms, and this is Plumfield in Person. Hi, I'm Diane Pendergraft, and I'm here with Sarah Masaryk, and we have with us today Michelle Howard. Friends, last summer we had the great privilege of speaking with Michelle Howard about her lending library and sort of the beginnings of the lending library movement. And after that episode aired, we received so many questions from listeners, and two in particular that were asked again and again and again. And so we had the privilege of sitting down with Michelle today, and we spent an afternoon together talking about both of those questions. But since they are different, and yet very connected, we decided to put it into two separate episodes. And so there is an episode that precedes this one in which we talk with Michelle about the little orientation talk that she gives to all of the new joiners to her library. And in this segment, what we're going to talk about is the living books education that she gave to her children and how she kind of wrangled that into a portfolio that she was able to use when they were applying to colleges. And so if you didn't hear the first episode, you're going to want to go and look for that one. Um, And then at the end of that episode, you're going to hear a little bit of conversation that sets up really nicely for this conversation. So Michelle, this has been a really fantastic conversation already because these things fit together, right? The desire to form and shape our young people, whether it's because they're in the library or it's because we're home educating them, these are really two things that are the same thing. You educated your children with a living books education. As Father Dave Pavinka would say, you're chasing the Holy Spirit. You're chasing the wild goose, right? The wild goose of the Holy Spirit. And it definitely does not check all of those technical boxes, So what did you do to help your son tell his story to colleges? Okay, Uh, that's a good question. I have to say, though, I actually think the Holy Spirit was chasing me, uh, (laughs) which which is such a mercy Mm. because I didn't even know to chase him in these areas. Mm -hmm. And again, that speaks to how profound this effect is, Mm -hmm. that he cares enough to actually become active and coming and grabbing a hold of us and saying, hey, Let's go this way instead, because I began being terrified of using living literature. I mean, that's cute a little bit, you know, for dessert. I grew up loving to read. I knew reading was a good thing. Everybody knows that. We've all seen the signs on the school wall growing up, you know, reading is fundamental, whatever. (laughs) So I just started out with a little bit of um, dessert. And gosh, aren't I a good parent? They read a Bobsy twin and a Hardy boy. Whoo! I'm going to be seated at the right hand of the father. I'm nailing this. And then I noticed that uh, they were only talking about what they had read in the More Living book, and they weren't talking about what I was doing in all the other mm-hmm. many, 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 many curriculum items I had them in, even though I was patting my back uh, for having gotten them through all of that. So I had to relent again because of the Lord's moving on my heart, and I had to begin to add living books in as a side dish. Okay. Lord, you you now have ranked a salad status. Okay. <laughs> but I am keeping my meat and potatoes that give me security. That's right. Because I have to make, I don't know what you got going, God, but 
I really love these kids. And so I don't want to ruin them. And so I've got to make sure that I'm doing it right. Okay. So I am, I'm fighting you to the death mm-hmm. to hang on to my security blanket for mm-hmm. at least the, the main subjects, because someday I'm going to have to do a transcript, you know, right. I'm going to have to get this kid into college possibly. And I can't have you going and screwing it up, Lord. So it's lucky for you, God, that I really went to school. And so I know how this works. So, okay, let's just get that straight. And then of course, um, I'm saying all this tongue in cheek in case you think lightning's about to strike, which you would have every right to do. But I, I began to, I mean, the Lord just really began to put on my heart, what security is in there? your meat and potatoes, if I didn't say it's what education is, if I didn't say it's what's best for your son, and if I didn't call for it, your security is a total illusion. And in fact, even if it was my security, I need to give it up for the greater good of my child anyway, because that gets back to the love theme we talked about last time. If you really love them, Mm -hmm. you will do what is best for them at any cost. And that really is the heart of the parent. I'm like, oh, Lord, Mm -hmm. are you telling me, I'm talking about in a conversation, are you telling me that I have to have living books be my meat and potatoes? Or is that what you're saying? That is the transition that we made. Of course, it was absolutely life-giving to my sons. And I, I have an adopted daughter as well. So I just started with the two sons and that's where my ideas were being forged. There's a huge gap between my first two sons and then had another son way, way, way later and then the adopted girl. So most of my stories relate to beginning with those sure. very first two sons. Sure. So we get to the point where it's now the main thing and the enthusiasm, the vivacity, the deep engagement with the masculinity is so rewarding, shocking. I'm just stunned. I've described it as like a white hot juggernaut, just seething uh, with energy in the souls of my sons and like, Mm -hmm. get out of the way. It was all I could do to just feed it and and channel it. I didn't have to light any fires or push any pushes. It was just so that's what happened. So I could see the power of it, but now I've got to figure out how to get a college to see the power of this. But I knew one thing that the Lord had called me to it enough and showed me the power of it, that I wasn't going to educate for a college. I was going to educate for my kids. Amen. Right. It is not about getting into college. It is about preparing their soul for their vocation. Yes. A hundred percent. Because if the college couldn't understand the value of what God had called us to do, then I'm sorry, college, your vision of education is too small. You don't get my kid if you can't understand this way of educating. Because if God is in it, there's real value in it. That's right. Of course, being from Michigan, we were aware of Hillsdale College. It's an outstanding school. Probably most of you know about it because it has fought alongside Grove City College all the way to the Supreme Court to not have any federal direction, even indirectly. They are actually pro-Constitution, pro-American, pro-limited government, Mm -hmm. pro-free enterprise, et cetera. And I mean, you can count on like about four fingers, you know, the number of colleges that are actually doing that and and loudly and proudly. So we knew that that's where we wanted to go. And so I contacted them actually when that son was going into ninth grade. Here we're beginning our journey. Mm -hmm. So what I know that he can't come now, but I'm going to begin crafting, you know, records. What is it that you would need to see? Because here's what we do, folks. We read our way through everything with Mm -hmm. the highest quality literature. We Mm -hmm. think about it and we discuss it. We write about it and then we go outdoors as much as we can. And, you know, we put a hunk of liver on a fish hook and throw it into a pond to see if we can catch a leech. We we do service travel, etc. You know, but how can I turn that into a transcript? I was stunned. They said, don't change a thing. Mm. 
he said, this is what we wish everyone would do. I was floored. To be honest, Mm -hmm. I was floored because they have Mm -hmm. very high academic standards. Oh, yeah. It's very hard to get into Hillsdale today. I was there a few years ago with son number three. They told him at that time they were accepting one out of seven. But the seven were, they were turning down people that were getting into Stanford, Harvard, Yale, um, Notre Dame, places like that as well. So it was not even your run of the mill, seven kids. So I was really impressed with their answer. Don't change a thing. That's how we wish everyone were educated. So what they told me to do and was to create a portfolio. And they were very specific in their advice, and it was extremely helpful advice. They wanted me to create a narrative. Believe, can you believe that? In other words, that they wanted me to write like a miniature living book. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. Exactly. The, the, the college that has the yes. has the library dedicated to first edition books wants you to write a narrative. I find that really incongruous. Isn't that something? Yes. I mean, not, they didn't ask for a spreadsheet. They didn't ask for decimal points, you know, as if, if, as if my kid was a set of computer data, they asked for me to write narratively one paragraph about my goals for each of the four major subjects, history, science, math, and language for each of the four years. Okay. Okay, So we've got Mm -hmm. 16 paragraphs just right there. Then they wanted a second paragraph with how I felt like my son responded to those goals. Did he embrace them? Did he achieve them? And in what ways? So completely open-ended. It wasn't check this box if you did X. Mm -hmm. Remember my little to-do list that I was going off and checking? They didn't want a checklist. They wanted an open-ended discussion of goals and, and, you know, completing the mission. And so that's exactly what I did. And for, for example, I mean, it wasn't even that difficult. For example, when I think in ninth grade, we were doing the Renaissance and the Reformation. So for history, so the paragraph was going something like, we want to really explore these time periods deeply, not just to understand the superficialities of the human beings who were on the stage at that moment, but the deep spiritual movements that Mm -hmm. guided them in all of their decisions, Mm -hmm. um, how that was displayed in the the changes in government and art and economies over time, and how there is still uh, impact from that that great fork in the road in human history to this day. That would have been an example like of the first paragraph. And by the way, let me say right away, I don't consider that to be a Catholic Protestant thing. No, Um, I know there was that element to it, but it ended up being a completely secular worldview, Mm -hmm. a a rebirthing of the Greek and Roman pagan ideas versus the Christian worldview because the Catholics went through their own reformation. So a great partition between the secular worldview and and the Christian worldview, both Catholic and Protestant. So that's Mm -hmm. what we were talking about. And so that was, that's, you see how not hard that is to write a paragraph of that nature? But it's hard and if you're not really living it. If you're mm. just doing check boxes, that's a very difficult thing to compose. But if you mm. yourself, Mama, are reading mm. the books alongside your child, your own linguistic abilities are going to be improved. Your own focus mm. is going to be improved. And you are going to be able to better articulate what it is that you're doing because it's so real for you as well. That's an excellent example. And but really, that boils down to enter in. Yeah. Enter mm-hmm. in with them. Mm-hmm. Learning is not something that just happens while you're in school. We learn because we're human. We mm-hmm. read because we're alive. Yes. We discover because we have a spirit. 
you know, so it's timeless. So yes, entering in with them is very much a great privilege. So that's very well said, Sarah. So that was an example like of the paragraph for history. And then the second paragraph would be how we accomplished it. We, you know, we read several hundred books and we did thus and so, and we watched a couple of films and we visited a museum and we discussed the art and, and he really grasped the deep concepts. He was able to verbalize them, you know, whatever that may be. Notice, and they said, you don't even have to put a grade on it if you don't want to. Right. If you, if you wish to, you can. And if you, you can even just say, I feel like it was a level effort, you know, again, because they understood that there was more about him as a human being and that other paragraph than there ever was in a decimal point or an arbitrary letter. That's right. So that's what we did for each of the four main subjects for each of the four main years. Mm. And then they said, what we really want to see on top of that is a reading list. (laughs) And it was pages and 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 pages. And so it was organized by what he had read in grade nine, you know, grade 10 and onward. And then we first listed to the history books and then the science books sure. and then the art books and music books, et cetera. And so they could really, it wasn't just random. They could see, wow, look at just what for history in one year. Yes. And so they really got a sense of that. And then they wanted him to write his ideas about education. Oh. So they wanted a thoughtful essay from him, mm-hmm. what education meant to him, what he thought education was, what it was supposed to be, how he had experienced it. So they were calling for him to have the type of analytical thought, not just to parrot back not to just be an echo chamber like we talked about in the last session, right. but to actually be a thinking person who could initiate meaningful content on the thoughts of education itself. Then they asked him for another um, essay about his combined travel and service. Because correctly, Mm -hmm. those are two extremely formative experiences. They value both of those. So he had been president of a service club and he had done uh, door-to-door pamphlets for political candidates. He even traveled with us to Russia when we adopted that Russian girl that Mm -hmm. I mentioned. That was a profound experience with him out in Siberia, seeing what communism really turns out to be, etc. So he wrote about those different various travel experiences. And that was the heart of it right there. I'm going to make it sound so simple, but that was basically the heart of it. His writings, the book list, and then my descriptions. So we had it in a nice notebook with partitions. And by the time we got there um, for him to actually have his appointment, they were so blown away. They asked if they could keep that portfolio in the admissions office to show to future parents as an (laughs) example of what could be done. And they ushered him not only into Hillsdale College, but into the honors program, which only accepts 30 students a year. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then when he got there, guess what? He only ever read. He never had a textbook in his right. four years there. There are no textbooks unless you're a math science major. Yes, yes. And mm-hmm. he was a, a history major. Right. Mm-hmm. And he never had a fill in the blank test. And he mm-hmm. never had a f- multiple choice. He right. never had a true false. He had to actually volitionally write just mm-hmm. like he had had to do in mm-hmm. his portfolio. Right. And he had to actually speak. So when I described the paragraphs, I I even said, you know, they they said, you know, how did he accomplish his goals? How do you know? I said, we would go for long drives Mm -hmm. and we would talk and talk and talk and talk. And, Mm -hmm. And he... He would choose topics to begin to explore. For example, when we went out to the uh, Russia, Soviet Union, 
Um, it had, I've been there four times. It's had a different name every time I went there. So yeah. <laughs> um, it was the Confederate of Independent States for a while. It was the Russian Federation for a while. So whatever name it was at the moment, he was so dumbstruck by the actual impacts of communism and this the revolutionary secular worldview that when we came back, he said, Mom, I want to do that deep proverbial dive comparing the American Revolution with the, the French Revolution and the Bolshevik Revolution because wow. the latter two did not have a Christian base. Right. We had already discovered some of that, but for three months, he dived in deep, 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 deep wow. into that. And again, volition. I'm going to keep using that word volition. Mm-hmm. I think that's an extremely important word. We can't say that we have goals for our children to be proactive and then never let their education ever allow them to be proactive. Right. If we can't say we want our children to be volitional about doing the right thing, even if they're the only person ever that in the world that wants to do the right thing, if we don't give them an opportunity to actually be volitional in their educations, and Hillsdale was asking him to be volitional, yes. even in that in that portfolio process, and that's exactly what they did there as well. So he just had an absolutely outstanding experience there because all he ever did was read, 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 talk, 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 discuss, discuss, <laughs> discuss, and write, 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 write. That is exactly what we had done for all four years of his high school preparation leading up into that. I think I may have told the story last time that they actually have parent-teacher conferences there. Sarah, did they were when you were no, a student there? No, Okay, well, they did when um, when my son was there. And so I sat down. Because they always really value parents, unlike most universities mm-hmm. that just want to... Mm-hmm. Um, like you can't like I know a lot of universities and colleges today will not even send a report card to, home to the parents, oh. even if the parents are paying the bill. <laughs> wow! I and guess if they're like, not no, no, tell- no. <laughs> I guess if they're not going to tell you the child's new gender, they're not going to give you his his GPA either. Exactly. So. <laughs> <laughs> but they're going to wow. make you pay for it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that's a one way flow. Um. So they, I, I did actually sit down with the the his um. Greek philosophy teacher. I don't know if I told this story uh, on one of our previous visits. And so um, I talked with that gentleman and he said, I've been doing this for 25 years, teaching Greek philosophy at the collegiate level. And he said, I only need my fingers and toes to count the number of students who passively Note that word passively, understand what Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle were doing. He said, I don't even need a single hand to count the number of students who actively think like them. He said, your son is one of those on my hand. He said, I can tell that he never missed a single reading because it does not matter what the topic comes up, justice, aging, whatever, outcomes, Socratic, Platonian, Aristotelian type level of thinking analysis, comparison, you know, wrestling again with the big ideas. Mm. He said it was just an absolute privilege to teach him. The thing is, is that before I went in there, my son said, this is the one I'm the most nervous about because (laughs) I did almost none of the readings. (laughs) (laughs) And we had last officially met Greece when he was in fifth grade. Oh, wow. Because we did history chronologically, TruthQuest history. I wrote it to help families navigate history through living books. So you spend a whole year on ancient Greece reading your way through, then a whole year on ancient Rome, then a whole year on the Middle Ages, a whole year on the Renaissance Reformation, et cetera. But Greece never actually goes away again because, as we just said, the Renaissance was an attempt to rebirth Greek ideas. Right. And and, uh, pagan civilizations with secular cultures still look at Greek ideas. So, again, it never really goes away. It just gets incorporated more and more deeply. into whatever you're discovering. But that was a profound outcome, a Mm. profound outcome. Mm. So that is exactly what they're looking for is a thinking 
reading person. When you are reading, you are thinking if you're reading something real. If you're not right. just looking for the 623 meters that they just put in the sentence, like the example you gave in the previous one, if you actually have to wrestle with the content, that is something completely different. Sure. By the way, we did do some um, dual enrollment in high school years. Sure. I never farmed out anything related to content like a history or English or whatever, but we did farm out like German classes, yes. a chemistry class, right. an advanced algebra class, things that were hard for me to set up for or to remember, or I didn't know the language. So they did get some early credits like that as well. And that I think uh, also was helpful on the application, but I don't doubt that Hillsdale would have been just fine, you know, for example, without that. Does that that give you something of an example? I think that's brilliant. And I want to affirm that what you're saying about Hillsdale is really, really accurate. Mm. Because when I applied to Hillsdale, I did not have quite the pedigree, the academic pedigree that was probably necessary for Hillsdale. It was a stretch college for me um, or a reach college for me because I was not a good test taker at all. And, you know, going through the conveyor belt experience myself, I was coming out of a public high school. I'd had Catholic school up through ninth grade, but coming out of a public high school, I did not have a living education at all. And so my ability to perform well, according to those standards, was really, really hampered. And so I'm the type of student who probably a lot of colleges might have written off because on paper didn't look great. What a shame. Right. But I had um, gone to boarding school in Ireland my freshman year. And so that automatically made me a little bit different. Um, I'd been to Europe a number of times. Again, Hillsdale really values travel. And I was girl state delegate who went on to girls nation. And so, and I was a Supreme court justice when I was at girls nation. So again, it showed a level of success that a metric in in a conveyor belt system could not Uh show, showed a level Uh of leadership. And then of course the essay and the interview are so critically important. So while I was sort of a, a 3.6 student with, um, I think I had like a 28 on the ACT. So we are not talking about, you know, your, your, your really prestigious college kind of kid. I was not a prestigious college kind of kid, but I had such a love of reading and Uh. such a love of Western heritage. And, and I inherited that really from my grandfather who great books of the Western world, big fan of Mortimer Adler and things like that. So Uh. when I wrote, to Hillsdale. And when I corresponded with them, because I had a number of back and forths with them. And then when I went and was interviewed by multiple members of their team, I was given an entrance into the college that did not match my paperwork. Good. Right? Because this is the kind of college that understands that not everybody is made, well, technically nobody's made for the conveyor belt, but that the conveyor Uh belt cannot adequately assess everybody. And so they had to judge me based upon different metrics. And so I just want to offer that as moms are listening to this, that the kind of college you want to send your child to, if in fact your child is college bound, is a college that is going to respect the work you're doing. If you are giving your children a living education, you will find colleges that will be appreciative of that and will welcome your child. 
Yes, that's a great example. Uh, in the previous session, remember we talked about if you really love someone, you really know them. Mm-hmm. When, when Hillsdale was interviewing you, they were getting to know you as a person. Yes. They knew that your personhood could never be fully represented again by a mere GPA Correct. or by a mere grid that was a list of classes and decimal point grades. You're more than that. I just, I think it's so wonderful. I didn't really want to release my child to someone who didn't have a high view of my child, of, of children generally, right. of human beings generally. Right. So when a college says, sit down, let's talk about these incredible experiences that you have, they're valuing you as an individual. Yes. There's a godness in behind that again, remember, because the mm-hmm. secular system can only just treat people as physical material in an overall system that they're running in one finite way. Mm-hmm. There's something important that only from God does the individual have value. And so when they give these opportunities for that individualness to be celebrated, that's exactly where your kid can become a stronger individual, can grow as an individual, again, in in my experience. Right, right. So that's a terrific story, just a terrific story. And by the way, Hillsdale has a tremendous amount of online classes. Most, Many of you may be aware about them, and they're of very high quality. They can be harnessed as a great teaching aid while you're in high school with your kids. And I think it probably wouldn't hurt if you were trying to apply to Hillsdale to say, hey, look at how many of your classes have we done. Yes. <laughs> but. So I'm not saying that college is the right thing for every person and they have to have a lot of spiritual strength to get through that with the peers, et cetera. But if you're going to go and for certain things they need to go, boy, they, I think they really need to have a deep, profound view of education before they're ever going to get my kid anyway. <laughs> well, I'm so glad you said that because I think that's what Diane and I would love to also have, have moms remember is that we are not educating our children for college. Many, many, many of our children probably don't even need to go to college. And Mm -hmm. um, there's a great deal of vocational worth uh, and a great deal of vocational work out there that our children will be uniquely qualified to be able to do because of their living education. And my grandfather used to say that my children, because of their living homeschool education, will be overqualified for college. And this is a man who required all of his children and grandchildren to go to college. That, that is an absolute great way to put it. Mm-hmm. Again, we get back to this volitional. If you have been volitional in, in, in how you raised and allowed your children to be volitional, I don't mean that they're running the show, but it, you get a lot of opportunity to be volitional when you're home educating. Then they're well-suited to become entrepreneurs, yes. to actually create something, to initiate something, right. you know, et cetera. The, the more and more fractured the culture becomes, the more the individual needs to be strong and capable of creating something themselves. They can't just get on board with a great big system and think that's going to work. That son that graduated from Hillsdale, he had his first job interview in a big high rise in, in a city. And, but they were interviewing him on a Monday morning for, and they were going to interview for a whole two week period. So they said, don't expect any answer until after that is all completed. I said, that was very nice of them to say so. However, you're going to get a phone call this afternoon and they're going to (laughs) offer you the job and they're going to tell you that they're going to shut down interviewing. He said, mom, that is so sweet that you love your boy. But guess what? Every kid being interviewed has a mother who loves them. So I am not distinctly (laughs) qualified in this area. 
I said, nonetheless, wait for your phone to ring. I think it was 1.30 when my phone rang. And he said, mom. <laughs> yeah, he said, how did you know? How did you know? And I said, you know, it's the fact you were incubated, not put on a conveyor belt. And yeah. that's just so rare today. That's yeah. the definition of being overqualified, Sarah, to your grandfather's mm-hmm. point. When you've actually been developed as an individual in a loving and known environment, when you've, as Charlotte Mason said, when you've built relationships with everything with God, with everything he has made and everyone he has made, when you have read deeply and thought deeply and written deeply and traveled and served, mm-hmm. you you get to become someone. Education is not the downloading of data. It is the process of becoming. And Amen. becoming is extremely rare. Reading is a main way that we become. We yeah. don't just live our own life and do our own thing. You're, today is a great example at the library. Somebody asked me for books about empathy. And so we have a wonderful volunteer named Holly and her daughter, Selah, said, what is empathy? And it was a word she hadn't heard yet. She's fairly young. And and her mom said, it's when you think about, you know, what's going on for someone else. And she said, isn't all reading empathy? (laughs) Because every time you read a book, you're thinking about someone else. I said, Selah, that may be the most profound thing I've ever heard in my life. And it came from someone who didn't even know what the word meant. All of reading is empathy because you stop thinking about yourself for five seconds and you're actually thinking about something and someone else. That's a growing process. Right. So, uh, yes, I'm so glad for that caveat. It's just that I feel like oftentimes people think I can't enter into a literature-based methodology because I may have to get a child into college if they want to be a veterinarian or something like that. Literature-based learning is not going to be a blockade to college entry. No. That's the important part of this message. You know, my son, as I said, is prepping for the PSAT simply as a diagnostic tool. And for the very first time, took a practice test yesterday. And there were some linear equations that he did not. He accidentally took the practice test for the SAT, not the PSAT. Mm. Mm. Wow. I realized there was a part of linear equations he didn't understand the way he thought he did. So he says to me yesterday and today, I just pulled that Isaac Asimov book off the shelf. I said, uh, okay, Why? And he said, well, I just want to remember what he was saying about linear equations. I'm, I'm just going to rework that problem and figure out why. <laughs> There's volition right there. And it's a living book. It was not a textbook that he went to. Yes. When he didn't understand it, he went oh. to a living book to better understand the concept in relationship with yes. greater ideas. Oh. That's a great example. And he chose to do it. He took action. Oh, yeah. He carried I, it out. I didn't even know what was in the book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Math is that not is my a, thing. <laughs> that is just a really, really great example. Again, I mean, it's going to sound trite, but I really believe it. Wherever God wants to get these kids to go and to be and to become and to do and to learn, there's going to be a pathway to do it. God goes ahead of us and prepares the way. Yeah. It's so how I mean your libraries, Diane and Sarah, and the others of you listening, you're part of the paving the way for all the kids that are gonna come through your doors. Amen. You're making a way for them to make this journey. I being from Michigan originally, you know, an icebreaker ship, can you think of the yes. they have those sharp prows and they cut mm-hmm. through the thick ice so the other boats can get them behind? You librarians are icebreakers oh, where there has never been a way to, imagery. Yeah, where there's never been a way to do this. 
you're just so sharp, everybody. You're so <laughs> sharp um, that you're just going to cut right through what seems like an impossible obstacle and you're going to have clear sailing water behind you. And now all these families can come in and make this journey. They can reach for the Asimov book because you have it. They yeah. can. They have time to be volitional because there's freedom, mm-hmm. not control, but freedom. I don't mean the child's in control, but they're experiencing a healthy amount of freedom, Correct. self-government within mm-hmm. parental constructs, et cetera, to become. It's very, 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 very important what you're doing. And yes, their phone will ring that first afternoon because they have been hand incubated. They have thought, they have discovered, they know how to do it. Mm -hmm. They're fully developed persons. That's really what we're all about. You're going to make it possible not only for your own children, but every single child that ever comes through the door. I just can't think of anything more privileged that we could get to do than this. That's right. That's right. That is the word. Again, privilege. We have we can talk about privilege in any political context you want. This is an actual definition of privilege. The ability to impact young tender souls in a meaningful way. That is a privilege. We only get to do it by trying. Whether it's 50 books we're sharing with our playgroup or 5,000 books or any other number. The call is not about how many books we have. It is about being faithful to the people we are called to serve, knowing what is and is not a living book so that you can curate correctly, and Uh being open to where the Spirit wants to take you because He's going to give you everything you need for the people that you are called to serve and for yourself. Yes, absolutely. He could do nothing less. Mm -hmm. Like you said in the beginning of our last talk, He actually cares about all these little details. Stunningly, because it turns into the forging of individuals. That's right. God doesn't have to care about individuals. He doesn't need anybody, but he's just so doggone loving (laughs) that he wants to be in connection with people. Mm -hmm. And he loves us enough to give us lives of significance. And that means he wants every young person coming through our doors to feel that feeling of significance and impact, Mm -hmm. especially for our boys. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, he cares because it's mm-hmm. going to not just be the lending of books. It's no. not just about reading as a skill set. It is literally about the forging, the customized volitional forging of human beings with com- with powerful earthly and eternal destinies. That's all. That's, That's all. all. Nothing, nothing yeah. big. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to also just, again, amplify what you're saying. Not only is every one of these children unique and precious, You, mama, you, librarian, you are unique and precious, and your particular gifts and skills will make your library exactly what it should be. Don't try to duplicate somebody else's library. Be you in the most authentic way. Submit to the Holy Spirit and let who you are and what you love direct how you go, and you will go somewhere beautiful and amazing, and it'll be completely uniquely yours. That is so true. And in fact, you can't even encourage children and families to do that if you're not doing it in yourself. In other words, you're modeling for them the very thing that you're calling the families to do. Go ahead, family, and be a Wyoming family who probably, what do you guys do up there? Crack boulders between your teeth just for fun? I mean, yeah, nobody's doing that in South Florida. So what's unique about your family, Diane? You know, her name of her library is Split Rocks. Oh, that's right. Oh, yes. Oh, that, it's a, and, and the verse I saw on your logo, the verse is so wonderful that out of the rock flowed rivers of living water, right? Yes. When I 
I feel like that's what our life has been. Mm. Can you describe that a little bit? I don't know if I can do it a little bit. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> We've had a lot of different chapters of our lives. And I, um, one of the things I think back to a lot is the time that my husband was in the Gulf War and we were living in Germany. Oh. Yeah. When he left, they said they'll be gone till it's over. And we had to prepare everything oh. so they wouldn't come back. And so just all the things that um, went into living that way for only six months. But um, but, there, but that's just know. one of those things where, right, yeah, we didn't know, know how long it was going to be. But okay. that's one of those things where you can look back really significantly and say, here's a line where I was this way. And when it was over, mm. I was this way. And that's oh, why, powerful. even though that was 30 years ago, I still, it's still so powerful because it changed yeah. me. God has been very gentle in changing me little bits at a time because I'm such an introvert and, and was so shy as well. But there were some things where he said, you're growing up now where I've been, I've huh. been letting you go a little bit at a time, but this is going to be a huge one. And huh. you don't always know when you're in that, but you can look back and know when it happened. Yeah. And he was just always there providing that water from a rock when it looked like there wasn't going to be anything. That's really a beautiful story for so many different levels. I mean, let alone you personally and you as a person matter so, 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 so very much. But I'm thinking that you're telling me you're an introvert and now you're a national podcaster. I'm sorry. Those two things don't go together. So you, we can see another, and you do a, a lovely job, but we can already see the Lord's hand at work right there. But it's reminding me that there's probably a lot of folks listening that feel like I'm an introvert. I can't open my home or I can't right. have that many people enter my life. This is going to be too much of a stretch for me. But you just said that even when it felt like there was nothing there, every single time uh, living water flowed. Yeah. Right. And I love that. It's not scriptural, but people say that God loves you the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. Mm -hmm. And that's how I mm -hmm. feel that he has treated me. The other, mm. the other thing about our story that I don't jump in with my college story or anything is because I don't have one. Mm -hmm. um, neither my husband or I went to college. We just do stuff mm -hmm. and <laughs> really well. The way it always was really, for really the whole well. history of the world. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. But, and mm -hmm. right, and that's she exactly and it. she corrects and edits and teaches my kids writing. So <laughs> I'm the Hillsdale grad who went to Oxford, and I can't teach my kids to write. But the kid, the woman who didn't go to college, she's an excellent writer. Which just oh, that's so, she's overqualified for college, and I'm not saying oh, that there, there we she, go. <laughs> well. Oh. I feel like I had a very bad schooling, high school experience, but I kept teaching myself. The mm -hmm. other thing is that I, to encourage other people who may not be looking at going, my kid's not going to Hillsdale. We had a really choppy homeschool experience as well, because I didn't start until my oldest son was in going into sixth grade. And then the second two ended up going to public high school because we were ignorant and I would not tell anybody to do that. But we thought it was the right thing to do. Um, so they've all had different experiences and it's hard to explain, but there are, are two things that I would tell people as an encouragement is that my children were all out of high school and I don't remember when it was, but my son was at least in his twenties. He's 40 now. And he called me one day and he said, I just want to tell you, thank you for teaching us how to learn. That's it. Yeah. Yep. And the other thing, when we, we lived in a small town when my kids were in high school and they were getting jobs around the community. 
and every single one of their employers and my nephew who was living with us came to me at one time or other and said, I don't, your kids know how to work. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's high praise. And I said, I'm sorry Mm -hmm. that that is unusual. Correct. Mm -hmm. Thank you for telling me. Good answer. Yeah. Yeah. That is beautiful, Diane. Wow. You, so you were raised like Alexander the Great. Yeah, not going through the conveyor belt. So nobody can criticize you for that whatsoever. But And and just so you know, I didn't start until my oldest son was in sixth grade. And I've had a lot of choppy experiences, drastic choppy experiences um, that I didn't even choose. Mm. So, yeah, I definitely hope I don't come across as having done anything perfectly. It, it, almost nothing ever looked like I wanted it to look. Which again points to even when it seems like there's nothing there, he makes something out of nothing. Creatio ex nihilo. Yeah, it is yeah. all about his provision. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's so important that in this episode that we give people the practical ideas of what they can do so that they know, okay, I can have a little peace on this issue. If my child is going to go to college, this living books education will not be a shortage for him. And in fact, actually, yes. it'll be a blessing. But the idea that any one of us thinks that way we have done this has been exactly perfect or the way that everybody should do it, it it's, it's absurd. That is not what we're saying. We yeah, know exactly. that none of, not one of us is perfect. And I imagine that not one of our listeners is perfect because there was only mm. one perfect person. Mm. <laughs> and so it is. I think it's such an encouragement to, A, on the front end of this, have the practical, this is how you can do it, and B, on the back end, to have the admission that, this isn't a perfect recipe. It's not a fail-safe thing. And, and none of us are the example. We're just telling you these are things that we know are true and will work. We want you to have peace. Wherever you are, mom yes. and dad, we want you to have peace. We want you to know that, again, just as we talk about with the library, it's so true in our family life as well. Those children, as you said so beautifully before, Michelle, those particular children, they have been given to you by Almighty God. For you Uh to steward and raise and love, you get to decide what is the best way to do things. And you may have all kinds of twists and turns in your road, but he knew that and he gave them to you because he knew. He knew exactly where you would go and how you would get there. Mm. Beautifully. Beautifully said. I think it's so important for people to know that as we're talking about your kids going to college, that that is not, it's becoming less and less the, the right thing to do in a lot of Amen. areas. Very much so. And Amen. my kids, the oldest didn't go at all. Second one went for nearly two years and just couldn't bring himself to finish. And my daughter went for a semester and she said, this is not uh-huh. for me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I'm sure still, they're all completely successful people. They've yes. had they've had hard things, but I college am wouldn't so have proud changed that. <laughs> no, mm-hmm. college yeah, wouldn't have changed that's that. That's true. And they all no, know how true. to do stuff, and they all mm-hmm. do it well. John Taylor Gatto, they they've Amen. got his badge of approval right there. <laughs> yes. They probably know how to build a boat and <laughs> oh, start we a just fire. Did that this and... summer. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> See, you get the Gatto Award right there. <laughs> A lot of times when people are thinking about um, homeschooling, that's one of the big questions. Go, well, but how are they uh-huh. going to get into college? Yeah. Well, let's get mm-hmm. them through second grade first, and then we'll talk about that. <laughs> but, but they, yeah. if, if they yeah. need to, they can. And if they don't, that's yes. also totally yes. acceptable. College is also yes. a relatively new invention. 
Very much so. And so we've said, I mean, I'm a Hillsdale College grad. I did two terms at the University of Oxford. In terms of educational pedigree, I've got pretty good paperwork behind my name. Incredible. Thank you. And what has it done? It formed me to raise a son who thinks he just wants to be a Homer reading Latin translating general contractor. (laughs) God be praised. Go build things with your life. (laughs) He can build the Trojan horse is what he can do. Only one that will really work. And my daughter wants to go to nursing school. And I don't Mm -hmm. know what Jack wants yet because, you know, he's a seventh grader. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But Mm-hmm. The the goal is not college. The goal is right relationship with God and man and to have the capacity to learn and think and work and love for the rest of their lives. If yeah. those goals are being met, I don't really care what they do. Yeah. And becoming what God wants them to be. And sometimes that will require college and sometimes it won't. That's that right. is 100% for sure. I mean, he's got us here. You know, we're on mission. C.S. Lewis said we live in enemy territory. We're on a mission. Mm-hmm. How can we prepare for that mission? I mean, you here you have this military background, Diane. Again, it sounds trite, but I mean it. Thank you for your family's incredible sacrifice trying to trying to have liberty uh, on, on the planet. So it, it's it's just, it's about that it's a privilege to become. I mean, for much of civilization, you didn't have a choice. If you were a peasant, you know, a serf, you didn't get to become. This is just a rare privilege even that we have to even get to think about what you want to do and how to get there. But Mm -hmm. it is so meaningful, parents, to know that you helped to launch your children. At the same time, I I know I've had times and setbacks with, you know, different kids and, you know, because they're as imperfect as I am. And sometimes I say, Lord, what happened? He's like, did you teach them the truth? Did you tell them about me? And did you at least tell them the truth? truth? And mm-hmm. did they know that you love, did they know that you love them? And did you at least provide for their physical needs where they fed and, you know, housed and warm and clean? Yes. Okay. Then I've got, I've got it from here then. Yeah. What I asked you to do was quite finite. All the infinite is up to me. That's right. That's right. And you know what? They're going to make mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> they are going to have failures and they're going to make you look bad. <laughs> It is just part of life. Yep. Yep. I'm busy making my own self look bad, but every now and then they can win <laughs> yeah, in a little assistance. Oh, yes. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, Mama, if you're if you're listening because you've already graduated all of your kids out and now you've got all these books and you're wondering if maybe you should become a librarian, please don't hear us to say that we think that everything turns out all right um, and that you're somehow accountable for how your kids turn out because we're not saying that either. We know that everybody's story is, you know, <laughs> complicated by free will. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <Darn> yeah. <laughs> oh, Michelle, thank you so much for being here this afternoon. I know that you are busy and we are really grateful that you took the time out of your afternoon to be with us for a while. Thank you for the lovely, 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 lovely conversation. Of course, it should be a dialogue beautiful. Yes, Michelle, thank you so very much for this really life-giving time we've been able to spend together today. We learned so much from you and your passion is contagious and we love to see how your passion is good at inspiring us and encouraging us towards confidence and obedience to the Holy Spirit. So thank you for all that you do. And friends, please head over to our website to check out the show notes and get links to some of the things that we talked about. We look forward to hearing your comments and your questions for Michelle because we'd love to have her back. So let us know what else you want to know from Michelle. And you can do that either in the BiblioGuides online community, which is part of the Mighty Networks, or you can do it on social media. 
Instagram or Facebook or go to our website and send us an email. So thanks, friends, for listening. And until next time.